Great. Well, welcome to you this morning. And isn't this awesome? This is our last Sunday here in this hall. I was I was pulling the trailer out for the umpteenth time out of my garage. And if you've, if you've ever seen what we do with the trailer, we have a very narrow driveway at our house, so I can't like back it right into the garage. So every Sunday morning, I have to pull this thing, it weighs a ton, like out to the, out to the car and put it on the, the tow bar. And, you know, God in his mercy this morning gave me a beautiful sunny day for my last day. I've had times where it's like pouring with rain and I'm like, I'm doing this for you, Lord. <laughs> But I, I say all that to just say I'm really grateful for everything that you guys have done on this journey. Like, you know, this, is, this takes a lot of work. You know, this takes a lot of work to set this all up and to keep a community going like this. And we've gone through COVID and so many things. And I'm just so thankful and grateful to how much you guys pour yourself out into this community with your time, with your money, with your love and your prayers. So this is this is wonderful thing for us as our community, and I, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to next Sunday. Isn't it going to be great? Isn't it be wonderful to have that space and to have a home and to do life there and just to see all the kingdom stuff that God's got for us? Watch this space. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. Well, we've been doing a series on Philippians, and uh, the last couple of weeks I spoke about that Paul is writing to this church in Philippi, modern-day Greece, and he's writing from a prison cell, probably in Rome, and he's writing this letter of, um, of encouragement and uh, of exhorting the, this church that he planted to, to be everything they can be in Jesus. And he, he is, it's, a, it's a letter of encouragement, like I've said before, 16 times Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Paul says, um, re, you know, joy or rejoice in this letter. So it's a very joyful, encouraging letter. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes to read, depending on your reading speed. Um, you could listen to it probably in 20 minutes or something. It's a, a wonderful letter, and I encourage you. This week, why don't you just give it a go, just one of these days, just to read it and be encouraged by the Word of the Lord. Well, like I said in the first one, he's writing from this prison cell, and he's writing to this church, and even though he's in the most difficult circumstances imaginable, he's so full of joy, and he so wants to encourage this church. And then last week, I spoke about that he gave this example to the Philippians of how to live your life. And the way to live your life and to do it well is to do it like Jesus, who gave up everything for us, you know, became human, died on the cross. Like he knows what it's like to be human, and he poured himself out in us. And, and that was the exhortation to the, the Philippians, and it's an exhortation to us as a church today, is that we would pour ourselves out for one another. As Jesus said, blessed it is to give than to receive, and that is a, a principle of life. And so today I, I want to share out of Philippians 3, verse 12 to 16, as Paul kind of gives a bit of a, a vision or exhortation of, of how to do the Christian life, how to do the spiritual journey of the Christian life. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Philippians 3, verse 12 to 16, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then 
who are mature should take a view of these things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word that gives life to us today. When I was a kid, um, my parents moved around a lot, and we lived in in Auckland, and one Christmas my parents um, must add some extra money or something, but they got us a Sega Master System too. Uh, I'm showing my age now. I'm going to date myself here or how old I am. And on this Sega Master System 2, which you couldn't save anything, there was an inbuilt game called Alex the Kid. Yeah, oh yeah, there's some people out here. They remember. I was about nine years old at the time. And probably for about four or five months, this thing was my obsession. I had a group of friends at this, uh, my dad was at Baptist College there, and together we all had this game as well, and so we were all together working our way through this game, like trying to get as far as we could, and you know, oh, you've got to do this at this bit, and you've got to do this and that bit. Now this, this for all the young ones out there, this was, this was the dark ages of gaming. You couldn't save your progress. So what would happen is you'd be halfway through a game doing really well, and then mum would come in with a vacuum cleaner, and then bang like the power cord, and you'd be like, no, I've just lost hours and hours of progress. Or you'd be going along normally, and then the thing would sort of frag out and like die on you, and you're like, I'm going to have to reset it, and then start again. Anyway... This thing was just my utter obsession. I thought about it all the time. I I probably dreamt about it. I talked to my mates about it all the time. I was playing this thing incessantly. And do you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to clock the game. If you don't know what that term means, if you're not a gamer, it means to, to master the game. It means to complete the game. And so this thing was my obsession. And eventually I got close to it. There's a bit at the end where you've got to defeat this guy in this castle. And, and my mate had done it or something and he told me all the moves you've got to do. Or anyway, when the stars were aligned on this perfect day where mum didn't come in with the vacuum cleaner and the, thing didn't, the power didn't cut out, I got to that final stage and I somehow defeated that king and won the game. I should have shown the graphic of what happens. Yeah, thanks, yeah. This is my lifetime achievement, guys. Yeah, 41, this is what I've achieved. But what happened when you clocked this game was this, like, this text just sort of, came, like Star Wars, came up on the screen. And I remember this feeling of feeling kind of like, is that it? Like, surely there should be, like, fireworks or, 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 some, or something. I should get a letter in the mail or something. I don't know. I need to have some sort of sense of completion here. And I just like, that's it, I've clocked this game. And it was funny, after that, I didn't, I didn't want to play the game anymore because I'd, I'd sort of mastered it, I'd clocked it. Unfortunately, life is not quite like a video game. And something I've, I've, I've learned is, is that, um, and you probably, you, know, you probably cringe when you hear this thing too, when people say this thing like, oh, you've got to be a lifetime learner, you're always learning and stuff. Well, when I did my law degree, I, like, I, 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 I treated it like that video game. I like focused as hard as I can. I, I think I might have broken my brain in the process. <laughs> I went really hard, and I was like, yeah, I've got my ticket. I know what to do. 
And if anyone's ever been in a job before, you know you've just started right at the beginning. Yeah, and you're like, man, I thought I had all this knowledge. I thought I'd arrived. And then you get into the workplace and you're like, oh, man, I know about this much. And then you like, you see these guys who are, and, and women as well, because actually there's more women than guys in law, by the way, um, who, would, who would know more about law over like 20, 30 years than I would have, but they're still learning. Like they're going to these webinars and they're reading stuff and these cases and stuff. They're just learning and learning all the time because they know that they haven't arrived, that it's, that it's about a process, that it's about gaining more and more knowledge. And, and, I, and, and for me, I find that frustrating because I just want the matrix. You know the matrix where he's like, he plugs in the thing and he's like, um, here's jujitsu, and he's like, I know jujitsu. Like, I want that for life in all spheres and things. I don't want to have to do all that work and go keep going and keep doing it and keep doing it. I want to arrive now. I say all that to say this is what Paul's effectively saying here in this verse to the Philippians. Now, this is Paul, who is a super Christian. He's the super apostle. He's the, he's the rock star of our faith. Eh? Like one of the greatest missionaries ever Launch, helped launch the church, and we're, we're listening to his words today. And here's Paul, just prior to this, had said, you know, I was the greatest Pharisee. I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was this, and I count that as nothing because I know Jesus Christ. And he's saying, even though I have encountered Christ and I've had these incredible experiences I haven't obtained this. I haven't arrived yet. This is Paul in his prison cell after probably 20 years of ministry, and he's like, I haven't arrived yet. And the big metaphor that that Paul is kind of um, bringing through in this thing is is, is of, of, of athletics. So sports metaphors started way back then, so it wasn't just the All Blacks then, it was about the athletics. So back in ancient Greece and Rome... Their, their big sport or their big thing that they were into was athletics. And I was going to put some pictures up, but um, unfortunately when you Google image ancient Greece and Rome, they, they used to run in the nude. <laughs> so I was like, I, was like oh, I can't really put these pictures up at church, and you know, it just looks a bit, bit dodged. But just, uh, no, I won't even say imagine that. You know, just, <laughs> just, just think about that. And so in their thing... They would have, um, one of the big races they would have is in a stadium, they would uh, sort of like draw a line or they put a marker somewhere on one end of the stadium and then they'd have a marker or a line on the other side of the stadium and then, uh, you know, some of them about like 190 metres or something like that and they'd, they'd basically what they do is a sprinting race where they just run full tilt as fast as they could from one end to the other end and, the, you know, the person who got across the line first, just like in our sprinting races today, would be the winner. And so this is, this is the, the metaphor, the picture, the word picture that Paul is, is, is writing to the Philippians about life and about the spiritual journey. Because in their community, there were some people who had kind of thought they had arrived. Like, they were kind of like, man, I'm saved and it's all good. So I'm not going to bother sort of thing. I don't, need to do, I don't need to do this sort of Christian life thing. I've got it made. I'm arrived. I'm there. I'm perfect sort of thing. And, and Paul's like saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like a super Christian, I'm an apostle, I've done all this stuff, but I have not arrived yet, because I haven't finished what was in front of me. 
And he says here that, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. And when he's saying press on, the, the language there is one of hunting. That's what the, in the Greek, it's like a pursuing. Like I'm going to pursue on, I'm going to keep going after what God has done in me. And he says, I'll take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. What it literally says there in the Greek is that Christ seized me or Christ um, kind of took over me. And if you're familiar with Paul's journey, this is what happened for him. He was a, he was a man who was zealous as a Jew and he was a massive persecutor of the early church. And on the road to Damascus, Christ Jesus took a hold of him, seized him in an incredible vision that completely changed his life. Jesus took a hold of his life and he went on a completely different tra- trajectory. And he's, what he's saying there is, oh, I'm gonna, I want to continue to take hold of that which Jesus took a hold of me. You know, Jesus seized my life and I want to keep going after everything that he has for me. And the biggest thing about that he has a, no, uh, sorry, the, the, the verse just before, verse 12, he actually says the thing that he's really going after. And the thing that, one of the things that he's going after is that he would know Christ. Union with God. This is the point of our lives, is to know Jesus. Not know about him, to know him in an intimate relationship. And then to not keep that all to ourselves, but to help others know him as well and to have that same relationship. And so that's, that is his mission in life. And I, I, I just think this is incredible. Like Paul here is in prison. He has poured himself out for the gospel. You know, we, we know from the stories he's been ship, shipwrecked. He's been uh, you know, stones have been thrown at him. He's been, uh, you know, beaten with rods. He's probably starved at times. He's had all sorts of adversity. And here he is in prison. And, you know, if anyone could say, I need to tap out, or I've had enough, or I'm going to do the first century version of golf, you know, it was Paul. Even in the prison there, he could have said, look, God, there's, there's lots of these young whippersnappers around who know what they're doing, like Timothy and Epaphroditus and, you know, these others that have trained up, you know, these guys could could carry on the mission of the church. I've done my bit, and I'm just going to tap out now. I'm going to rest on my laurels. And that that expression, rest on your laurels, actually comes from, from ancient Greece, from Rome. Because if you won one of those races, you'd be presented with this laurel wreath that would sit on your head. And what, it, what that expression means is that I'm just going to rest on all my achievements and, and not do anything else. But Paul has his heart to keep going after Jesus and everything that he has for his kingdom. I was just recently this morning uh, listening to um, Nicky Gumbel's uh, final sermon as he's stepping down as the, as the leader of um, Holy Trinity Brompton in London and and. And, you know, the guy's been doing this, he's just the, he's the goat, like he's the greatest of all time in the sense of one of the Christians who've done some amazing things. Like this is the guy who started Alpha, and he's been doing um, Christian ministry for 43 years or something, and he, I think he's in his like late 60s. And I just loved the, the sermon title that he had for his final sermon. 
the best is yet to come. Isn't that cool? And that was, I'll chuck his sermon up on during the week, but it was so encouraging because here's a guy who could, like Paul, just tap out and go, nah, I've had enough. I'm, I'm playing golf. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit in the pews. I'm going to do something else. But he's like, no, nah, I'm going to keep going. The best is yet to come. And, he, and he's actually, his plan is to, the, the, the vicar who's coming in, who's taken over from him, he's asked that guy, well, how can I bless you and bless this church? And that guy said, oh, can you continue to look after some of the pastors and all our church plants? And then also he's going to carry on doing, um, be part of Alpha, because he's got a vision to 2033, which will be not officially 2,000 years because of the time thing, but 2,000, you know, t- you know, 2000 years since Jesus' resurrection, um, that, that they want to get the Alpha course into every single country in the world. And I was like, wow, isn't that cool? How encouraging is that? Like, in, in most spheres of life, including the church, people are, are pulling up and they're retiring and they're, you know, they're good and faithful, so they've sort of done their dash. But here's a guy who's like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm pouring myself out for the gospel. I'm going to keep going. There's no sort of retirement in the kingdom of God, is there? Uh, I think sometimes we do it because of our society, but there's actually no retirement in the kingdom of God. And that's not just for ministers, that's for all of us, because we're all able to minister to one another. We're all able to pour ourselves out. So I, I just found that so encouraging. And um, Paul, Paul says, um, he says, look, I haven't taken a hold of this thing. I haven't arrived. But one thing I do... Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Soren Kierkegaard, famous Danish philosopher, and he was a Christian as well, said, to be a saint is to will the one thing. And if you were to look at Paul's life, you would see that that was the truth about him, that he, he poured himself into this one thing. This was the, his one thing was the goal of Jesus Christ, the prize of Jesus Christ in this life and in the next when he would meet him at the end. And so he poured himself into that. And he says this um, really awesome thing. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And what Paul is saying here is not, let's not, you know, let's forget the past that, you know, that I don't want to know anything about the past, you know, good and bad, I think. But what Paul's saying here is, how many of you Philippians, how many of you this morning are living in the past? Stuff that you have done, maybe it's sin or brokenness, maybe stuff that's happened to you, sin and brokenness that's happened to you, maybe even it's nostalgia for good times that are sort of well past what is holding you back from running the race now? You know, how much of your thought life is stuck in the past and processing and dealing with those things? Or maybe not processing, just going around and around, ruminating on those things that happened to you or you did. That's stopping you from running the race. That's got you sidelined. That's got you stuck. The writer of Hebrews says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Are there things this morning that are holding you back in the past, that are keeping you from running the race that you're meant to run, that you're sidelined because of what happened to you, of what you got involved in? The heart of the Father is to actually bring healing. And I almost feel like the Holy Spirit, and we're going to do this at the end, and we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to touch on anything that just needs to be released into his hands. But the heart of the Father is to untangle all that stuff from you. That's what sin and brokenness does. That's what all that living in the past does. It holds us back from running the race we're meant to run. And in God's heart is just to come and break and release that stuff off you. And that might happen supernaturally in the moment. It might happen through some counseling and some processing. But God wants you to move forward, right? He doesn't want you to stay in the past. He's got so much for you ahead. Your best years are ahead of you, you know? The best is yet to come. And let's run with perseverance the race marked for us. And then he says, you know, he says, like, you know, let's not look back, but let's look forward. And he says this, he says, straining towards what is ahead. The idea in the Greek here is like a sprinter. You know, if you watch a sprinting race, and, and they, from the get-go, as soon as a gun goes until they, like, cross that um, line, they are straining with every muscle and fiber in their being to go as fast as they humanly can across to that line. And this is the same idea here in the Greek here. It's like this strain. I'm putting all my efforts, I'm putting my, my heart, my soul, my mind, my body into this, and I'm straining with everything within me to get across the line. And when I was um, reading that, it, it actually reminded me of um, my brother Nor Tui. I'll embarrass him now. <laughs> one, if you know Tui, one thing about him is that he's this quite incredible person that if you were to give him a, a task or a challenge to do, he would probably take that up and then go and master it. Like, he, he likes to clock things in life. So, <laughs> so, so one thing that you, you, many of you might not know is that Tui hasn't played guitar all his life. So when we, we started this church, um, we planted this three years ago, he, 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 out of the kindness of his heart, said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to play guitar so I can help lead some worship. I can be part of worship here. And so what he did was he, he just disciplined himself and he just went, and, did, and then, you know, here he is. He's playing guitar now. And you wouldn't know. You'd think he'd been playing for his whole lifetime because he's just got this incredible ability to just mono-focus and just, like, pour himself into this thing and put all his efforts into this thing, and, he, and then he masters it. And he's done it with um, other things too, like um, powerlifting. We have an international powerlifting champion here in our room. Why don't we give him a round of applause? Yeah. <laughs> Again, it was something that he had a passion for, and he, and he just had a focus, and he just poured himself into this thing, and he, he ended up going over to Vancouver to represent New Zealand and win a gold medal. So, yeah, I know. I clocked Alex the kid, but, you know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and now he's, 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 I know at the moment, he's, he's basically trying to master and clock being a primary school principal. 
He's pouring himself into that Awapuni primary school and doing everything he can to be the best principal he can. And I know he will, just knowing his character and knowing his, his ability to do this stuff. So it's something I really admire. And when I read that, I just thought, that's, that's Tui. Like, somebody's just pouring himself into something. And, and this is what Paul's saying. Like, like let's, let's not get stuck in the past. Let's go forward. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the prize in this life and in the life to come. And let's pour ourselves into this thing. Like, this is not exhaustion territory. This is just running with passion. You know, running the race and running with passion and pouring ourselves into something that we love. Because when you do something you love, it's not hard work in many regards, is it? You're just like, I love this. This is my passion. You know, I'll keep going hard at this thing because I just want to see everything it's got. And that was, that was Paul's thing. He had tasted and seen that God was good, and he wanted so much more. Because he, he'd had experiences with God more powerful than any of us had had. He'd gone up into a third heaven, but he's like, nah, I'm not satisfied. He had like a holy dissatisfaction. He had a holy dissatisfaction, and he was had this like pursuit after God and his kingdom. And he's like, I'm not going to tap out. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to rest on my laurels. I want to go after everything that God's got for me until my, my, the day of my death when I go to be with him, when I win the prize. And I was just like, man, you are, you know, I'm, I'm sure he was a complicated person with lots of issues and all sorts of things, just like the rest of us. But I just love his passion. I just love his heart for the gospel. And this is the same for us individually as it is for us as a church. If you're not familiar with the story of our church, we, we began um, in, in some homes doing worship and uh, lots of food, which has always been very important to us as a community and, and will be, I hope, forever. Um, and then we, we started meeting in different places. We went to, we're up at the Kaimanawa Street Hall, and then we went to St. David's, and then we, we actually came to this hall two years ago, just after the, the, the first COVID lockdown, August 2020. Can you believe that? And here we are in, in a week's time moving to St. Mark's. And I'm just like, I guess the thing as a pastor, and I guess as a church, one thing we could do is we could just coast. Like, we could just rest on our laurels and we could be like, hey, we've got a nice little community here and we all get along and, you know, this is nice. But I don't think that's what God's calling us to, eh? Like, I don't think God calls us to a life of comfort. I believe God loves rest and I love, uh, He loves refreshing us and He enjoys us enjoying life. But He hasn't called us to a life of comfort. He's called us to a race. He's called us to a challenge. He's called us to a journey. And that's true of us as a church as well. And so I, I, I'm excited as we go into St. Mark's because I'm like, yeah, we, we're not looking back, like getting stuck in the past. We're straining forward to what God's got for this community. Like imagine all the awesome things that God could do through us all in that place. Like I don't even know where the end point of all this will be. That's how exciting it is. That, and when you're in God, you're like, where is the end point of this thing? Well, I don't know, but our vision is Jesus. One, the, I, one time I was doing running, and this guy who was a runner told me um, one mistake a lot of people do when they run is they look at their feet. It's just a natural thing, I think, because you, you're worried about tripping over. And he said, um, you're meant to look up as you run because it helps align you and helps to give you, you know, kind of good vision, obviously, in the, in the natural. And, and it helps you to run, and then you won't trip up so much because you've actually got a good alignment as you're running. And, and I, I just think, particularly in this last season, a lot of us as Christians, including myself, you can get to start staring at your feet and getting stuck in a moment, eh? Like, and you're just, like, you're, you're just either weary or you're coasting, and you're just like, God's calling us into so much more. 
so much good things, so many wonderful things that can come out of this community as we, as we get our eyes up and we get our vision on Jesus who is the prize. It's not about becoming the, the greatest church in Palmerston North and amazing, oh, how many people go to your church? Oh, yeah, we've got three, four hundred or something. It's nothing about that sort of stuff. It's actually about, man, people's lives are getting saved. Families are being transformed. Addictions have been broken. People have been delivered. They've been healed. They're finding life in Jesus and with one another. That's what it's about. And as we all have that vision of Jesus as the prize, as we go into this next step, we're going to see that. And a great thing with with this race that God calls us into, it says in Hebrews, he's the founder and perfecter. So he's like the person at the start of the race calling in. He's also there at the end as you run across the finish line. But he also sent his Holy Spirit to run alongside us. The paraclesis, the encourager. If you've, been do- if you've ever done any long distance run, you need an encourager. <laughs> you need people running alongside you to help you do that run. And that's what the Holy Spirit does as we do this journey, as we keep going. And for many of us, some, some of us are probably in that, um, might be in that uh, uh, hospital tent, sort of getting some, you know, Jesus working on our blisters or, you know, <laughs> getting some Gatorade or Powerade down or what have you. Uh, some of us have kind of got off the track a bit and we're, we're, we're kind of going around in circles and the Holy Spirit says, like, he's caring for us, he's, he's bringing us back, he's calibrating our hearts and he's like, keep going after Jesus. Keep going after Jesus. Get your eyes on Jesus. You know, there's lots of stuff going on in our world at the moment. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on him and what he's got for you and for us as a church community. And then just as I finish today, verse 15, Paul says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I always find that funny. Is it? It's like, if, if you haven't got the picture here, guys, well, God will make clear it to you <laughs> how to do this. Yeah, that's what I mean. Maybe Paul wasn't the most pastoral person at times, but he certainly loved these guys. But yeah, he didn't pull any punches at times. But basically what he's talking about there is maturity. Often in the Christian life, people get saved, they, start the, they go to the start line of the race, and then they just stay there until they just, I'm saved, yes. But are you living? Are you, are you into everything that God's got for you? Are you running the race? And what Paul's talking about there is Christian maturity. My uh, good friend Sam Harvey says um, this sort of quote, he says, you know, I want to be a 40-year-old Christian, not a one-year-old Christian 40 times over. A 40-year-old Christian, not a one-year-old Christian 40 times over. How true is that in a lot of our churches that people have got saved, but they haven't grown. They haven't matured. This is what sanctification is about. It's becoming more like Jesus. A saint is just someone who's close to God. And all that stuff in the past drops off as they get close, as they focus on Jesus, and they become more like him, To one day they're face-to-face in total union with him, which is the point of our lives. And so this is, this, is, this is, I guess, in a sense, where the rubber hits the road. As I finish today, we can't survive on spontaneous moments. If you're running a race in the Christian life, you cannot survive on going to that conference once every couple of years 
or going to church once every three or four months. It's not going to be enough to sustain you. You're going to need your Powerade. You're going to need your, your good running shoes. You're going to need your blister treatment. You're going to need, um, I don't know, your electrolytes and uh, muesli bars or whatever you're having when you're running sort of thing. You're going to need companionship from other runners. You're going to need to do all these things daily so that you can run the race well. And there's going to be times in the race where you're going to be like, God's like, floor it. Like, this is your moment. Floor it. <laughs> like, go for it. Pour yourself out into this moment. Other times, you're going to need to, you're going to, need to just, you know, just, you know, lean on the Holy Spirit, hop on his back or something as you go up some of those hills. But every day, you need to be going forward. So how do we do that? It's easy to say, but it's harder to actually do and practice, isn't it? What's well, habits? It's rhythms. We've talked about this many times. We did a prayer series early in this term. If you haven't heard any of that, you know, please look it up on our website and listen along. I'd encourage you to be daily spending time with God. What you're doing here today is so important for the race. In that verse in Hebrews, it says, since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, well, that's, that's awesome as well because that's all the saints across the ages are cheering us on. But also the saints that are here today are cheering you on and encouraging you, right? I said this, I think, last week. I'm encouraged by you and you encourage me. This is what we do when we gather on Sundays as we pray for one another and encourage each other. And then I just encourage you just to keep building these rhythms and habits into your life so that this would become your total passion, your total focus, that you would be going towards that prize, that one day you will meet Jesus face to face. And you hear those beautiful words, you know, come into your rest, good and faithful servant. Isn't that a wonderful vision? It's one, all of us will have that day one day. Isn't that incredible? I look forward to that wonderful day with Christ. Amen. All right, why don't we stand?